I got a lame claim to fame, and it's that I know Spicy C. You're watching Swamp Things. Alrighty, hi everybody. Thanks for joining us today for our show, Swamp Things Episode 6. I'm here with my illustrious and very pink-shirted co-host, Spicy C. I am, of course, the Sam Tater, and we are actually recording remotely today because we're terrible at tech. Uh-oh, we could flush ourselves. We could flush ourselves. Should I flush ourselves? Sure. That's the sound anyway. Yeah, there you go. Flush him. So what happened, Sam? Hello, people. Oh, well, we recorded a an episode that um, was recorded to nowhere. It was recorded into the cyberverse. Too bad. It disappeared and it's gone, so... We are re-recording this episode. Our best, it was probably our best episode ever. Might have been. And now we have to try to recreate it, and it won't be as good. We have to recreate it in all its awesomeness. We cannot do that. We're going to fail I, again. We are going to fail again. So we're failures. We've been flushed. We're, we're also flushing someone else today, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, one of our friends. Yes, one of our hey, friends. Hey, Sam, what's new? Oops. Oh, hang on. Apparently, I wanted to watch the rest of that show. What's new? Um, well, yeah. update from the farm. We are officially done. First cut. Woo! First cut. Up. First cut, hey is done first got hey worked really hard at it that not last week but the week before when it was like 38 degrees we worked hard at it and we got it done that weekend so we are actually done now lots of bales lots of round bales lots of sweat lots of blood sweat and tears hmm. we're finished it feels good is first is first got hay the best of the hay or does it vary depending on the year actually it's just different and i don't exactly know the <laughs> difference but we feed different cuts of hay to different cattle at their different ages. So the uh, early first cut I heard is good for the milking cows. Mm -hmm. It has more something in it, protein. Once the, once the grain, once the grain flowers, uh, like, or once the hay flowers, like once you get alfalfa with like flowers on it, the purple flowers, mm -hmm. um, I believe that's better for like growth. So it's better for like the mm -hmm. beef cattle, the beef herd. So I don't know. Dad manages all that. We keep the second cut and first cut in different mouths so that you can choose which ones to uh, which ones to use at any given time. So, yeah, I'm not a real farmer, Wait. so I wouldn't know. But you're a farm boy. We discovered that yesterday, right? Yes, I'm a farm boy. For us, for someone like kind of a semi-city rural dweller, you are like a farmer. But I can tell the difference. You're not really a farmer. You're a pretend farmer. I can tell. Yeah. So what's new in your world? You do a lot of farming. New in my world. Wedding dress shopping. I was not mm. part of wedding dress shopping, but I mentioned before our son Michael's engaged a young woman named Emily. 
And uh, Mary and May last week and the week before went wedding dress shopping with Emily and her mom, her sisters, and the other bridesmaids. So that was a lot of fun. They went to Strathroy and then to Clinton. And I believe Emily has now selected a wedding dress from uh, one of the places they went. That's a big moment. Good. Big moment for the women folk. Yep. Sure. No, oh, it's great. It's a way. It's it's, it's a way to spend time with uh, the family into which your son is marrying for Mary and May. So that was good. Of course it is. And they had yeah. fun doing it, and they enjoyed it. That's new with good. me. And also, I hate summer. Did I mention that I hate summer? Why? Let do me you say hate that summer? again. I hate summer because it's too hot. I love winter. The only thing I don't like about winter is that winter driving can be scary. But besides that, I don't work outside. I used to work outside in the winter for many years. I actually liked working outside in the winter because I was always moving. We used to go on hikes with kids on school retreats. That was great. Mm -hmm. um, working outside in the winter could be a real trial, I'm sure. But I don't know. Humidity just like does me and I've got no energy. So that's why and, I hate summer. Go you away. Also have a bro you have a broken air conditioner in one of your cars. Oh well. So that doesn't goes help. On. It does not. Who no. cares? All right. What's up, Sam? What are we doing? All right. Well, today we have a very special Inspector Gadget episode. Uh, one that was recorded at the Homestead Farm in the Greenock Swamp. And I'm telling you, if you're launching potatoes out into the woods and uh, you know you got your kids around, that's there's not much more Greenock Swamp than that. That's like, that's classic. So we recorded this video on our lawn, me and the boys launching the potato cannon. And this is today's episode of Inspect Your Gadget. So I hope you enjoy. Do, 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 do. Inspect Your Gadget. Okay, today for Inspect Your Gadget, I'm going to show you my potato cannon. Here it is. A few features. We've got barbecue ignition. We've got a safety switch a push button horn button for the, uh, the trigger. Uh, we've got several removable barrels. So this particular barrel may thread in here. So this barrel is for potatoes or a squash ball. Squash ball fits perfectly in here, but uh, as you can see, it's been sharpened at the end. And that's so that you can cut the potato right into the barrel. So I'm gonna put the barrel back in there. Thread it back in here. So, and the, the breech is at the back here. So this this uh, end cap, four inch end cap threads off here and then you can see the barrel there. And that's where you put the uh, potato. Well, I'm gonna demonstrate. Come on up closer. Okay, so we got some nice rotten potatoes here. We're gonna just, uh, just take the potato and you just shove it in here. Like so, see it cuts it right in there. Nice and tight. For fuel, we use Right Guard Sport regular original deodorant. This is the best stuff. I've tried all kinds of different fuels. This one is the best. Can you believe that some people put this on their armpits? No. Neither can I. Pour a generous amount in there and put the cap on quickly. Let it vaporize. 
And then I... Whoa, that was close. There you go. Demonstration one. Should we do it again? Sure. Okay. Ooh, I'm rotten. Dang. I'm gonna be nasty. Doesn't matter. Okay, here we go. Did you have that tree over there? What, that tree? Yeah. Okay. okay. Here we go. Are we messy? Point out too that on the grass here we got a nice jawbone with the teeth still in it. Look, there's a tooth. Wow. Here, want the tooth? Dad, that's my mine. That's, that's not one of your teeth. Here, here's another one. The tooth. Here, anybody else want one? Look, there's a big molar. Isn't that good? These are healthy too. Too bad the end of the day. Oh, healthy. Okay. Oh, healthy. Oh, that one feels squishy too. There's one of these old ones. Hey, Oldie, that was an ammo too. Oh, that looks nice. That fit right in there. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yep. We should not. Holy cow. Okay, we are going to try and find out where dad where Sam shot the potato cannon. Hmm. Ah. There's some piece of potato right there. As you can see, some squashed potato. And I think he shot most of them up there in the tree. Oh, that's awesome. All right, what do you think? think? What do you think, think about that? Great. I've seen the potato cannon action over the years, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. And it's a uh, very Bruce, I would say, probably way more, more than gray, because things are a little wilder out in the middle of Bruce in the Green Ox Swamp. So, another, yeah. Another thing that just kind of randomly happened in that video was finding the jawbone. <laughs> just laying yeah. there on my lawn. My, my dog obviously left it on her lawn and it was nice and dry. So the bones came out easy. The teeth came out easy. I remember years ago, our dog must have found these in the swamp where we had trespassing hunters, I figure. Anyway, there was like four deer feet. She brought them back to the yard so she could chew on them. Still a yep. bit of flesh and skin hanging on them. There you go. Yep, they just leave them laying all over the place. Yeah. Fun yes. for the dog. Fun for the dog. Fun for the kids holding those teeth. Sure. Yeah, sure. All yeah, right. That potato, that potato gun will take uh, take the bark right off a tree. It's pretty powerful. It's a lot of fun too. And Especially I keep the saying there's a, there's, there's a connection between Sam Tater and Tater as in potato. 
So it would make sense that you would have a potato cannon. I am pretty legendary for my potato cannon. It's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's my yeah. lane claim to fame. I, I know a guy with a potato cannon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a super lame claim yeah. to fame. <laughs> All right. We have um, a segment of analog life today, which is pretty exciting. Do you want to intro it? Spicy C and I'll grab it. I'll grab it. Yeah. So analog life is uh, about stuff that is stuff that you can hold, touch, feel, see, and do things with in real life, otherwise known as analog. And uh, Sam brought something. I had a couple of these when I was a kid. He's got a whole bunch. And they are called Great Illustrated Classic Comic Books. So, Sam, you want to just hold some up and show us what they look like? And Okay. This one is called 20 Years After. Is it backwards? Mm. It is backwards. Oh, okay. Hang it's on. backwards. Let's flip. There we go. There you go. 20 Years After, Classics Illustrated. So these were... That particular were, um, story... Sorry. Well, I was going to say these were, uh, they, they varied between five cents and 15 cents. And this one's from 1966, but I have one here from 1945. So they must have run for mm. you know, a couple decades. Hamlet. Yeah. Hamlet. And it's uh, the, probably it's, the ghost. What would, you, what would you call it? Like a just a summarized version in comic book format, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's really interesting because I figure I guess whoever put them out decided comic books are really popular with the kids these days. I guess comic books are really popular with the kids these days again because of all the Marvel movies and stuff and the DC movies. You know what else is, um, yeah, you know what so, else is popular? Bowl cuts. Well, they figure that's how people have their hair done in the Middle Ages. That's terrible. Sure. Wow. Which uh, which one is that? This is Hamlet. Hamlet. Yep, we've also got Mutiny on the Bounty. I don't think I ever I ever read that one. It's based on a true story of a mutiny on a British ship. Romeo and Juliet's Captain, miss, Captain missing the cover. Romeo and Juliet. The Spy. Don't know what that is. No idea. Nor do I. Looks like it's from like um, maybe like Civil War era, somewhere around there. Hmm. I don't even. That's Robin Hood, but it's missing a cover too. The House of the Seven Gables. By Nathaniel Hawthorne. Marco Polo. The Hunchback. Mm hmm. The right in the Reign of Terror. By G. A. Henty. I don't even know what. But that there's a guy wearing a beret there. What is it? Uh, it's not a beret, actually. It's called a Phrygian cap. Okay. So basically, it was the, during the French Revolution. It was a thing called the Reign of Terror, where they like just started to kill a bunch of uh, aristocrats and priests and stuff. For some reason, I knew you would know a random fact about that hat. It's not a mistakenly called it a beret. Because you're a know-it-all. You think you know everything. It's true. And you're bossy. The Talisman. I have heard of that one. Mm. Sir Walter Scott. Um, and it, the funny thing is, when we found we found this bag of Classics Illustrated, and I remembered reading them when I was a kid. Like mm -hmm. I remembered them being out and like actually reading through them, uh, certain ones. Like I remember reading The War of the Worlds. I remember that one being kind of kind of cool. 
Remember how they, do you, do you remember, I remember that story a little bit. Do you remember how they conquered the Martian invaders? No. I believe they got chicken pox. Really? And they were very susceptible to chicken pox or something, oh. some virus. Did I say virus? Oops. There is no chicken pox anymore, only COVID. Okay. Treasure Island. David Copperfield. Yeah. And one more, <coughs> a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. That's like the time travel one, right? Yeah, so it's like an an, uh, an American from the 1800s with all this 1800s technology, knowledge of 1800s technology, who gets the time travel back to the court of King Arthur in the so-called Middle Ages, and he uses all his knowledge of technology to like take over and supposedly fight for good. Uh, so what they did, I think, well, he kind of ran into some problems. Hey, look, it's got white supremacists in it. That's the kind of thing women wore in the Middle Ages. I believe those are called KKK. No. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah, that's what you said. Sure. <laughs> so the point of these great illustrated classics is all these, let's call them educators, realized people are not reading the classic books anymore and we're losing all these amazing stories. So let's put them in a form that the kids these days will like. Comic books. And I actually think it kind of worked. I, I read a few of them. And you obviously read the, a few of them as well. So, you know, it's kind of a neat idea. And I don't know. What do you think? Did it... Did, uh, it's did a little it... bit like it's a little bit like what movies and video games do more so now. Is they mm -hmm. uh, they take a, take a story and make it more accessible, make it shorter. People are too impatient to read the whole thing. <laughs> so yeah. It shortens it down. You know what? It reminds me a bit of... Um, I'm not one of these people, so I'm not really into this, but we are like really, really into Hamilton. Yeah. The musical. Oh, so yeah. Like a real historical a figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But what they did, which is like the great illustrated classics, is they took a real historical person with real historical events and obviously a point of view of what he represented or could represent today. And they stage it as a huge Broadway musical, which is an analog event in itself. Maybe we should talk to like a Hamilton fan person, and that's an analog segment. If they, especially if they saw it in person, going to a musical theater, that's analog. Yes, I know at least one person who's obsessed with it. Yeah, I know a few. Constantly singing the songs gets pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's it, analog it life. That is Analog Life. Thanks, Sam. Hey, you're welcome. Today, for our Catholic content segment of the show, we have a video that we recorded way back when. And it is the second of three myths we find about the Catholic Church that we've heard from different people. And this, this myth is about, are Catholics judgmental? Yes or no? Well, I guess the myth is that uh, we are judgmental. So we try to debunk that myth in our best way possible enjoy right on hopefully um we want to also say that uh, we're going to be taking comments and questions for sure in, in as we go so um well and can i say why we take uh, comments questions i think you'll agree with this okay because we know that you're probably smarter than we are at least in some respect seriously i think probably i'm pretty smart and sam, i know sam is pretty smart but you're probably smarter than we are in at least some ways that you can point things out show us things reveal things to us that we don't know 
Yeah, and neither of us is above neither of us is above reproach or correction. So if you have any corrections to make, we'd yeah. love to talk about and make fun of you for correcting us. No, we're kidding. Uh, just but you kidding. can make fun of us. Oh, never mind. So email us, leave us a voicemail. We'll put you on the show. Uh, we'd be happy to. We love we love your comments. The second one I actually think is kind of a fair myth. Like it's actually not just a myth; it's actually real, sadly, and it applies to me as well. Maybe it applies to you. It's that Catholics are preachy and judgy. How would I just they get that impression? Sam. I just triggered Sam. This is great. How would they get that impression? I have no idea. Oh man. Okay. Where to begin? Where to begin? Here's the thing. It looks so different from the inside and from the outside. I'm thinking about uh, one of my son's good friends who uh, he met through university. Great guy. But um, when he was at university, he kind of his default position, because that would be true for many people, is that, you know, not really sure what he thought about abortion, which is a huge controversial topic in the Catholic community. And for people who are aware of our belief that abortion is wrong because you're killing someone. So his default position was, well, you know, it's really hard to, like, make a decision for someone else. I shouldn't be doing that. So if a woman becomes pregnant, she should have the choice about what to do about that. It's her body. It is her life. And that's all true. So that was kind of his default. Now, I would say... Uh, from what I hear from my son, that they didn't like have like these huge fights or debates. It's just that he began because through friendship, I would say through friendship with my son, here's somebody who had sincere views about why, no matter how hard the circumstances may be, and no matter how much support the woman in that situation may need, there's still something wrong that happens when a baby is killed before being born. I know that's really controversial. So, but if you're from the outside looking in, what you might see is a group of people, and we have marches and rallies and prayers and messages about this, who are just telling women, you might you might think like this, we're just telling women, hey, when life is really hard, we're telling you not to do the thing that you feel you need to do the most, which is to get your life back in order. And like, we can tell you how to live your life on something so fundamental as what's going on within you, not within us. Mm-hmm. No wonder we can sound preachy and judgy, especially if we're really angry because we're calling you which sometimes happens. People get called murderers. People get called killers, whether it's the women or the doctors and the medical people. That's, that's what we end up conveying. So can I just say that it's, it's for me, it's two things. It's, uh, and tying into what you said, I think um, if I could summarize what you said, it's sort of, uh, you know, the old adage, like walk a mile in their shoes. or yeah. it's, it's the idea that we have to listen. And I think that's actually something Christians, Catholics, me, Charles, me, for sure. Everybody is is fairly bad at and needs to work on is is to be able to listen to yep. the other side, yep. the other perspective. Yep. Now, where I think uh, the second word I wanted to talk about was balance. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't there there has to be a balance because we want people to talk about things they're passionate about. Yep. You, you think of someone preachy. It's, when someone is preachy, they're talking about something they're passionate about. They really believe in. Yeah. But really what makes them preachy as opposed to just informative or having a discussion is that they're not listening as well. Mm-hmm. There has to kind of be a balance between I believe I'm right and I want to share that with you. I want yeah. to tell you that you're wrong and I'm right or we want to have a debate about that or t- at least talk about that. Mm-hmm. But it has to be in a context of love and understanding. It also has to be fair and it has to be after having listened and tried to understand the other person. I think if those conditions are met, it stops being preachy and it starts being a conversation, which is what I would like like to see it more as. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're not right when you're telling someone how you what you believe, but it does mean that it's going to be received a different way. I not think go, so. Not going to be received in a way that is 
demeaning or that makes you feel like you're, you know, being judged. Yeah. It's going to be said in a way that says, I, I love you as a person. I care about you. And I, I still want you to know what I believe. I still believe that I'm right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to care about you. And you are still my brother or sister. Well, that, that, that re- I think reflects the way things went with my son's friend. Mm-hmm. It was in the context of a friendship where two guys are just talking about stuff. And there was not like one, as far as I know, one like one big, here, let me convince you that I'm right as a Catholic because that's, that's the way it goes. No, it was more like over time starting to understand why you can support women and need, in fact, I would say definitely need to support women in those situations and say, yeah, but that's still wrong. There's still something evil taking place there that is going to cause harm to the women and other people around her as well. Can I just mention, like you probably had examples or experiences of, I, I chose abortion because to me it's the one that's like most identified with the Catholic Church, Catholic Church against abortion, mm-hmm. which is actually part of the problem mm-hmm. because the main message of the Catholic Church is not about any one issue. It just isn't. In fact, these issues and the way we think about them don't make a lot of sense outside the Catholic Church, especially nowadays, unless you know what the main message is. So, Sam? The main message is that God loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah. God sent his son Jesus to save you. And uh, and he did that because you can't be saved on your own. And, uh, and our sin has separated us from him. Um, that's our main message. Can I just put it in one word? Jesus. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that makes does make us sound like religious fanatics or maybe even superstitious. But there's, hopefully you'll, you'll bear with us and you'll see where this goes. But like I also would say I would want to have this conversation with people who for whom abortion is something that is a fundamental right. Because I have listened to women over the years mm-hmm. who've had abortions and try to listen in a supportive way. I remember a girl of 16, her first name was Tiffany. This is going back years, and there's no way to identify her. So I can say her first name. At 15, she had an abortion because her dad said to her when she became pregnant at 15 with her boyfriend, I'm going to kick you out unless you have an abortion. So at 16, she's coming to our food bank and getting food from us and saying, I decided to keep the kid this time, and her dad kicked her out. Okay, that's a pretty drastic situation for a 15, 16-year-old to be dealing with. So what did we do? Like, we didn't try to explain to her why what she did the year before was murder. We just listened to her, tried to support her. And I mean, I think it's a very basic thing. That's part of our responsibility in our community. Provided her with some food as long as she needed it. I don't know. To me, that's like, how do we respond to abortion? Well, there you go. I think something else that I've learned along the way that's uh, made a lot of sense to me is just recognizing that it takes people time and that people are on a journey. Yeah. Um, we just listened to Charles and I just listened to a, a testimony, which we're going to be showing on our live stream at mass mm-hmm. um, of a young woman. I, I'm not going to say her name on here, but you'll see her on the video. Um, and she's recently had a conversion, uh, just kind of a, an awakening in her faith. Um, she's sort of met Jesus and not, not sort of she she did um, in a real way. And it really transformed her life in a lot of ways. But it took her a long time. It took her years, uh, years of of sort of being in contact with with our parish and and watching the alpha videos and in particular the mentoring the slow and steady and reassuring presence of a person that she really cared for that cared for her and mm-hmm. was willing to go on the long run yeah and her views didn't change overnight i think that's what i'm trying to say yeah the people's views on things like abortion that are really um we feel really strongly about they don't change overnight it's not like people all of a sudden go oh yeah you're right i'm going to change my view now it's so nuanced and it takes so much time and there's so many other things connected to it okay. that we have to be really patient 
and gentle with people. Let me as push back. A let change. me push back from a Catholic point of view. You might be Catholics listening here, or other Christians who sure. who know abortion's wrong, who will say to us, or say to you, say to me as well, "Hey, you guys sound like relativists because you're, <laughs> there's so much nuance. Yeah. Where's the truth? Mm-hmm. What would you say?" I'm going to put you on the spot, but I, I'm happy to answer that. I just think it's that's a question that's out there. Absolutely, yeah. We're not taking a hard enough stand if we put it that right. way, right? Um, I would say, uh, what's what's the end? What was the end goal? Um, is it is it to win someone over? Is it to to actually introduce someone to Jesus and have them end up in heaven someday? I think that is the goal. Um, and if that's the goal, then how do we get there? Do we get there by uh, with the hammer? <laughs> do yep. we get there with the, with the stick? Do we get there with the carrot? Um, I think it's. We have to be really careful, not that we're going to water down our our faith, not that we're going to water down what we believe. I said that at the start when I was talking mm-hmm. about being preachy. It yeah. doesn't mean letting up on what you believe. It doesn't mean conceding yeah. on your beliefs. It means understanding where people are coming from and being gentle with them. Okay, so this is kind of one of my themes, I think. I hate it that there are certain conversations that you're just not supposed to have. That just bugs me. Right. Because as much as I'm going to say, I want to be able to express my views clearly and thoughtfully and respectfully to you, I hope, I'm hope i hoping that I'm listening to you express your views clearly and thoughtfully and respectfully. Not just so we can exchange views, but because there is truth and we're on the same journey. Like, we're on the journey too, as you know. I got this from you kind of too. Yeah. It's like, I'm on a journey. I don't know everything. I know what's true in the sense that I believe it and I've reasoned through it. I've thought through it. I've lived through it. But I have a lot more to learn. God has a lot more to teach me. And you probably, again, like people who people who believe in abortion can probably tell me things that I haven't thought about, about why abortion should be taken as something good. I'm not going to be convinced by that. I can't imagine me convinced by that. But that doesn't mean I can't listen. I definitely want to listen. And there are so many examples from the Gospels, from the life of Jesus, where he doesn't water down what he's saying. Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't uh, detract from his, his teaching, what he's trying to teach us. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, I'm just thinking a, a famous one is the woman caught in adultery. Sure. Um, he does say go and sin no more, but that's after accepting her. Um, protecting her. Protecting her. From the men who were about to have her killed right. according to what they interpreted as their law. And what he does to send them away is basically points out none of you are without sin. Right. It doesn't mean what she did was right. Yep. That's very key. And that's, I guess, what my response to what you're saying about someone sure. who might say, aren't you just a relativist? Where you're just like, oh, just everything goes. It's all it's all the same. It's not yeah. all the same. There is right and wrong. I really believe that. Um, and obviously Jesus did as well. But at that moment, he didn't he didn't say like, what are you doing? You caught, caught in adultery. You're mm-hmm. a terrible sinner. Um, yeah. In fact, if he had said that, um, it would have been just and, and right for them at the time to stone yeah. her to death. That was the law. So I do want to say, because you and I both have been involved with pro-life activities, both here in Hanover, you have myself in the community in Dundalk, and we've gone to some national events and stuff. That's very important. I want to say that. And I think often done, especially the, the organized events that I've been part of, that you've been part of, with a lot of respect, mm-hmm. but clarity about what we, what we believe abortion to be and why. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yep. But it's not everything. It's only one part of being what I would call pro-life or what we would call pro-life. It's like another part is like living with people who are your neighbors, your friends, your family members. Right. And it's like, okay, this is a long journey. We're all on the journey together. I'm going to think some things you did or that you support are wrong. You might think the same of me, but we're still on the journey together. Do you know what I think is really convincing about the pro-life movement in some ways? I think think of the March for Life in particular. 
Uh, what's convincing to me is the joy. Hmm. I, th- I think that what what really sets those two sides apart in Ottawa, and I don't know if, how when the last time you were there. I've been a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that they have their place. They're not everything, as you said. Yeah. Um, but I do like the joy. I like this. There's singing. Um, there's, there's smiles on people's faces as they're walking down the street. Um, it's a happy event. I think that yeah. says a lot. I think that tells you a lot. That, it's not angry. It's not angry. Fair. It's not vicious. It's not yeah. uh, insulting. It's it's really quite a joyful event. It's yeah. it's in contrast actually to uh, the other side and, and their in, in that circumstance. In that circumstance. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I do like that about it. But, so are we pre- preaching judgy? I'm going to say too often we actually are, including me. Um, I'm a dad. Sam, you're a dad. <laughs> we can start with our kids. Mm-hmm. They probably agree with that. I definitely oh, have been yeah. preaching judgy with my kids in a way that I can't undo because my oldest is 26. My youngest is 20. They're on their own. I still have time. You still have time. But I'm not probably going to do it. So. Yeah. So we could just start at home and say, too, too often we are. Uh, and I think the gift of listening is a mutual gift we can give each other. I'll put it that way, which is not the same as relativism. Yeah, exactly. It's not, not, but I just want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to tone down serious conversations so that we don't hurt each other's feelings that I, that just drives me crazy. And so I love it when people have strongly held views and are willing to express them. And I want to listen. All right, everybody. It is time for flush this. So who are you flushing today? Well, okay. Today I am flushing Father Gary Schlack. Now, I know what? we just interviewed. I know we just interviewed Father Gary Schlack a little while ago. You know, had a great interview mm-hmm. with him. Nice talk about his love of uh, Lord of the Rings and his love of those nasty shakes with all the vegetables in them and peanut butter. Um, and we, ju- I know we just kind of said a really nice goodbye to him, but I'm flushing him because, well, like other things that we don't need anymore and we want to get rid of. Um, what do we do with those things? We flush them. So. That's why we're flushing Father Gary, because we don't need him anymore, and, and we want to get rid of him. And Cambridge is downhill and downstream from uh, Bruce Gray. True. Possibly. He's literally going down to Cambridge. Yes. With the wastewater the down waste the Grand River. Flowing, flowing down gravity, pulling it down toward Cambridge. Yep. Yep. I always had this joke that um, anything south of us was like closer to hell. Yeah. Stupid, I know, but anyway so yeah that's the reason we're flushing him also because um you know uh like when you flush the toilet uh and you never see it again um i hate long goodbyes and i hate always being dra- i hate my emotions being dragged back out um so when i've said goodbye to somebody it's some, and a, it's like a permanent goodbye it's nice when they don't show up again and bother you so your we're, life. Hoping, we're hoping that by flushing father gary we you know, we'll keep never see him again. Never see him again. No, I don't mean that, but like he's, he's not watching again. this. He hasn't seen a single video that I've made. So anyway, Father Gary, we flush you. Oh, that's not. That's not right. Look, it's it's this one. There. Now we get to enjoy the beautiful sound of the water coming up. Fresh, clean water. The poop is gone, the fresh water is coming, and soon it will reset the process so that we can flush the next poop down. I love it. 
I just said poops, so and now the now the podcast is actually funny. It's complete. It's complete. You got to say your words for ten year old boys to laugh at. My favorite word in the whole world. What a guy. <laughs> okay, everybody. The we know you've been waiting for this segment all day. It is time for Raptors update. <laughs> All right, and today for Raptors Update, we have a very special viewer comment, which Spicy C will tell you about right now. So the viewer comment was, I understand this. It makes a lot of sense. It's a reasonable thing. What does the Raptors Update have to do with Swamp Things? After all, Swamp Things is about Bruce Gray. It's about Catholic stuff. It's about analog life. You know, those things kind of fit together. But the, the, the viewer comment was, where does the Raptors stuff fit in? Now, we just did a segment on um, the myth that Catholics are which we said partly true. And I'm going to say maybe the viewer comment was a little judgy as well. Sorry to say that, but it might be true. So anyway, why should we care about the Raptors? That's a really good question, because I know at least one of us doesn't care about the Raptors. Right, Sam? Right. <laughs> so why do I care about the Raptors? Um... I became a basketball fanatic back in 85 because I was in residence with a couple of guys from America um, and they were watching something called March Madness, which is a huge basketball tournament. And there's the stupid Raptors mascot when we, did we flush him before? No, we talked about him though. God bless the man, but love the man, don't love the mascot. Um, I like so, the yeah. man and the mascot, but not the mascot. Exactly. Because we're Christians. We're called to respect and love everyone equally because they're all children of God made in his image. Something like that. He might, anyway, he might be like, he might be horribly disfigured though. Like, well, that's, I know people are horribly disfigured. You know, I know, but he's, co he covers his face because he's hiding something about his appearance. That's what I think. Maybe so. Uh, so I became a huge fan. And first of all, I got to say, there's something about basketball I love, which ties into something I love in general in life, which is teamwork. I think of all the, the big sports that people watch or follow or play, it requires the most teamwork. you got five players on the floor at a time for each team, and they have to, if they can function as one, it's constant communication, knowing what uh, your fellow teammates like and don't like, and even, even at very low level of skill, which is me, when I played a lot of basketball when I was younger, um, a, t a team functioning well is a joy to watch, even if you're not really into exactly what they're doing. It's just a joy to watch a team. Then specifically about the game, there's something about the simplicity of the game, um, just trying to get a ball into a hoop, and the ball goes into the hoop, and then what happens is uh, you score. It's that simple. I know a lot, a lot of games are like that too, a lot of these major games. Uh, you dribble, you pass, there's some skill involved, there's a lot of athleticism. I think it's just like great to watch people doing some of the stuff you can do when you're really athletic and playing basketball. Okay, but what else is there? Why do we care? I think it starting probably in the 90s with uh, Michael Jordan, basketball became a huge part of our culture, like mass culture, media culture, and I'm definitely on social media as well. So I don't follow culture at all. I'm not gonna try to, I'm in the 50s, whatever the kids are watching these days, I don't care. I'm not paying attention. However, just by paying attention to basketball, I get a kind of slice into culture that deals with a lot of things that a lot of people, especially younger people, I think, care about. 
I don't care because I care about the issues, but the basketball is like a lens into things like definitely like money. So one of the weird things that happens when basketball players are drafted to play in the NBA is you can get guys who are really, really poor, incredibly difficult lives. Then they get selected in the NBA draft to play for an NBA team for like, really poor to multimillionaires in a moment. They're called to the front of the room and their whole life is changing. And they call that even, there's a term for it in the basketball world, generational wealth. And it's great for those guys that also can cause problems and issues because when you have a lot of money, it doesn't make life. To think about money, poverty, and definitely as well with uh, with the basketball, uh, for a variety of reasons, we're talking about race, it comes in. Uh, you got a lot of obviously players who are black, um, African American background. You got Africans from Africa who are culturally quite different than Americans. You got Europeans. You got a bunch of Canadians, more Canadians than any other nationality in the NBA right now. Uh, so you got this whole cultural mix going on too. And 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 these some of these players take stands on these issues. Some of them don't. Uh, so again, I don't follow the issues, but just by following basketball, I get a kind of lens into what the heck is going on out there that people care about. So for those reasons, and plus, it's just a lot of fun. So um, and yeah, part of our whole Swamp Things idea is like, we're just like mixing a bunch of stuff that always makes sense. That is a bit like Sam and me doing stuff together. So that is why we care. Thank you. So like us, mm -hmm. Swamp Things is a mixture of things that doesn't always make sense. Especially you and me trying to do stuff together. Yeah. I'm often confused. How about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm often like, why are we together? Why am I with this person doing this, talking about this right now when I hate him so much? I don't even like to think of us as together. Doing stuff together, not together. No. No, we're often at like totally opposite ends of the... Sure. Whatever the, the issue is. We do agree a lot, too, I exactly. suppose. I know, we do. They're very, they're very different was... personalities. Yeah. We both like attention. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but true. It's true. Okay. I think that's it. I just noticed from, from this angle, it looks like I'm looking down on you. It's true. You're a lot taller than I am. Not, not that much taller. Hey, you. Listen here. You got to turn the other way. <laughs> it's a giant. <laughs> the magic of video. Oh, it's Jesus. Hi, Jesus. No, I meant hi, Jesus. Don't, don't. Hi, Jesus. Can I rub your feet a little bit? <sighs> Glad you're a Christian. Like me, <laughs> I just heard I just heard a crack of thunder. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Poor Jesus, he takes so much abuse, and then I make fun of him. Are we done yet? I do love him. <laughs> Are we done yet? You want yeah. this to be over? All right. For the sake yes. of our poor viewers. For the sake of our poor viewers. Just like nattering on. <laughs> We, we better start the background music. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today, for being here with Spicy C and I. 
on this remotely recorded episode of Swamp Things. We want to thank you for joining us. Send us your comments. As you've probably noticed, we've mentioned comments, even bad ones, on the show. So email us at swamptingspodcast at gmail.com. That's swamptingspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube and all of the places you find podcasts. Thanks for listening. Share with your friends. God bless you all. Goodbye. And then to say spicy C. Uh, stay spicy. Stay spicy, everybody. All right, we'll see you later.